We are talking about the power to change. You know, uh, nobody really plans and has like a systematic plan to screw up their life. You ever notice that? I mean, you're never going to see anybody like uh, in their journal entry, like, dear journal, today I want to make an irreversible mistake in my life. Like, you know, nobody, nobody puts that. Nobody has like a five-year plan. Like, you know, I just want to mess things up so bad for myself that I can't see a way out. It's never on the plan. It's never on the plan. But, you know, sometimes uh, people will often say comments about someone's life or where, and, and it took years to get there, but they act like they just got there overnight, right? They make a statement about it, and it's just like, well, it must have just happened overnight. Like, man, you know, his addiction got out of control, and that's why his wife left him. It's like, it just like, one day, boom, it happened. Or, man, you know, she lost her job because of the things that she couldn't control, and, and now all of a sudden she just lost her job. You know, it's, it's, he had a secret life, finally it came to light, and it's his downfall. It's never just one thing. I mean, think about this, it's like, it's step after step after step. And it seems like one bad decision at a time, we can end up in a lot of places. You know, Jesus referred to us and equated us and said we were just like sheep. That's what he did. He, he compared us to sheep a lot. I don't know about you, but sheep are pretty dumb. They're probably the, the dumbest animal. I know they're fluffy and woolly and you count them at night. But you know, sheep is the only animal that can eat themselves lost. <laughs> I had that happen to me one time at a buffet. But uh, man, remember when we had buffets? Isn't that just like a sad commentary that our world lost buffets? Uh, but they're literally the only animal that just puts their head down and eats and eats and eats and eats and, and all of a sudden they look up and go, wait a minute, where's the shepherd? Where's the family? Where's the crew? And they've ate themselves up. And I think people have that ability that one decision, one step at a time, sometimes when we finally come to ourselves or we do hit that tragic, all of a sudden life-changing event and go, what happened? It wasn't just the one thing, it was the things that happened along the way. And I want to show you uh, today in Scripture an example out of the Old Testament. You might remember this guy from those of you that were raised, if your story is you were raised in Sunday school, uh, you might remember uh, this guy. Uh, he had amazing strength. Um, he had the most amazing hair of anybody in the Bible. Um, he ended up losing his strength and losing his sight and losing his name. And it's just, he ended up losing his life. But it's just this crazy thing of like, wow, how did that happen to an individual? And you know who I'm talking about? Samson. Okay, there you go. You know what? I'm going to give everybody a Bible book that knew that, right? Because <laughs> you know our kids, they earn Bible books, people yeah. that have kids, right? And now uh, Pastor Janine has this phenomenal kid store. It's right. amazing. I go in there and get a little tingle. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. Wouldn't it be great if like the next opening, you know, it's like because certain Sundays it's open. We had like a line of adults all the way down there. It's like, we got our... Uh, okay, sorry. That was... Uh, some things that come to my mind I shouldn't share all the way. But it just raises an interesting question when we look at Samuel is how did someone with so much potential end up so broken? How could someone that had so much promise have a life that was just completely devastated? And the answer is there, he didn't go there all at once. It didn't happen all at once. 
What did he do? He, he kind of made one bad decision after another, and he allowed habits, harmful habits, one at a time to stack up. And it wasn't just one step. It was probably, what we're going to learn is 56,250 steps. So let me just uh, take a look at the book of Judges, because we see this story out of the book of Judges. And let me give you a little context to our text, because sometimes you need to know what's the context of what I'm reading. Sometimes we take one verse. It's really healthy to step back and go, wait a minute, what's, what's the context of this? And those of you that might be familiar with the Old Testament, you'll know that the book of Exodus is the story of how Moses led what they call the children of Israel, the, the people, the descendants of Israel, probably a million, five, two million plus, coming out of Egypt toward a new land. He was going to give them the land of Canaan. It was a promise to them. And then we see the book of Joshua takes place when Moses dies, and Joshua actually leads them into that land, into that conquest, and we see them systematically remove people and take over the land, and they're in the place that God has promised them. And God said, man, if you follow me, great things are going to happen. I'm going to be your God. You'll be my people. And so when we open the book of Judges, Joshua has just died, and now instead of a particular leader like a Moses and a Joshua, now God raises up judges. What judges are, they're they're uh, leaders, and they're, they're, they're leaders that will come and help the people when they need it the most. And we see that God uses these judges to rule the people, to make decisions, most times to take them into battle and rescue them from their enemies. But the last line in the book of Judges kind of sums up the whole problem of this time in this period, and it says this, and the people did what was right in their own eyes. Everyone just did what was right in their own eyes. Instead of looking to God for direction and rule, they, they did what just seemed right to them. You can imagine the problems that that would cause and did cause. There's some really uncomfortable things that happened in the book of Judges. I'll just tell you that right up front. Probably some of the most difficult things to read. You think, how did God condone that? No, no, God didn't condone that. It's this right here. And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And they did some horrible acts of evil and they suffered the consequences and then they would cry out to God and then God would raise up a judge to help them and, and God would help them and he'd he think, okay, now you're gonna see that I am the answer and then they'd just go right back to their old ways and sometimes they even forgot who God was and sometimes they even thought God was like some of the gods of the country that they had come into and they, they didn't treat him like he should have been treated and they didn't honor him in that way. It's a sad commentary when you live in a country that's lost its moral compass. What happens to a country that turns its back on God and does whatever it thinks is right in their own eyes? There's pain, trouble, and difficulty. <laughs> hey, it seems like we're living that story. But it's the story of, of man and it's the story of Samson. And so the story of Samson starts with these words that the, the people of Israel sinned in the eyes of the Lord again. So we had this Throughout the book of Judges, you see that God rescues them, and then a time period goes on, and then they sin again. And it gets so bad, it says, so the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. But then God, God shows up, and he does a miracle in the lives of a particular man and woman, and an angel meets a woman and says, you're going to have a son, and he's going to be special. Very similar to 
John the Baptist, very similar to the announcement that Jesus came, but Samson would be the last judge in the Old Testament. And he comes and talks to the woman, and she goes and tells her husband, and he's like, man, I want to see this angel too. And so she, he comes back, and she says, wait right here. Let me go get my husband. And she brings her husband, and he says, you're going to have a son. He's going to take a Nazarite vow. What's a Nazarite vow? It's, it's setting yourself apart and aside. The Nazarite vow is you never cut your hair. Um, you didn't drink any kind of fermented drink or even eat grapes whatsoever. You never got near a dead body. I mean, these are all things that just set you apart and you were consecrated, special towards God. And God raises him up to free the people from their oppressors. And Samson is given, as you might remember from the Sunday school story, he's given like amazing strength. He's got this amazing hair and he's got this amazing strength, right? Everybody wants to be Samson (laughs) at first. The problem is, is that Samson wanders from his purpose. And the problem we see in Samson is like, he's a very complicated man. God uses him. The Holy Spirit will come upon him and God uses him in incredible ways. And he was supposed to be dedicated to God and separated, but he's got an eye for all the wrong things. And you begin to read his story and you see that he's got an eye for women, the wrong women, women who worship false gods. He doesn't take the counsel of his parents. But God still uses him in powerful ways. But in the end, his choices, his decision, his steps, his habits are the tale of failure and regret. And we see at the end of chapter 16, the book of Judges, and it starts with this, chapter 16, it's the last part of the book of Judges. And it says, one day, everybody say one day, day. Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute and he went in to spend the night with her. So one day, he made what was a first bad decision, which led to another bad decision, which led to another bad decision, and it led to ongoing habits that led to a life of destruction. And Samson, he had a thing for the wrong women. Instead of marrying someone within his tribe, within his people, within his faith, he goes elsewhere, and he goes to the Philistines. God raised him up to defeat the Philistines, and he ends up wanting to marry a Philistine. Hello? (laughs) Does anybody see this problem? He marries a a girl by, a woman by the name of Temna. And when it came time for the wedding and the wedding festivities, the Philistines come around, and well, they act like Philistines normally do. Hello, I'm gonna go into Philistine land, I'm gonna marry a Philistine girl, and I'm gonna be surprised that these Philistines act like Philistines. And it ends up not only ruining the marriage, but it costs the very life of Timna and her whole family. But does he learn his lesson? Everybody say, no, <laughs> he doesn't. And God uses Samson to do some amazing things within the context against the Philistines, one point, the story, he takes a jawbone of a donkey and he defeats a thousand warriors, one on a thousand. I mean, these are only God moments. And you know, I, I got to pause right there and sometimes I think, man, God was so obvious in that situation. How did he ever forget that? And then I got to go, there's so many times when God like just intervened in my life and it was an only God moment and I say, I'll never forget that. And then I forget that. But we see this in his life. And he goes into the Philistine country again, and he finds another prostitute, but this time he falls in love with her. 
You will remember her name, Samson and Delilah, Delilah right. It even makes it into his pop songs, I mean, you know. <laughs> the problem with this one is that he was in love with her, but she was in love with money, right? If you have that story, don't even tell it right now. But so we see this, this begins with Samson leaving his home and going to Gaza. And now if you look at where Samson was born, he was born in Zora, and he traveled all the way down to Gaza. And, and again, you know, every tra- all this travel was on foot. It doesn't seem that far. It's 25 miles. But when all you can do is walk, it's amazing. And it raises the thought, how does somebody with so much potential end up in enemy territory when he's already public enemy number one and does something with someone that's going to allow his life to unravel one bad decision at a time? That's how he does it, one step at a time. How does somebody so talented with the hand of God on him in such a special way end up so far from home and risk so much for so little? And the answer is it's step by step. And you know, if you add up that 25 miles, there's 56,250 steps in 25 miles. But no one plans to mess up their life. Nobody writes down like my five-year plan is to make irreversible mistakes. Nobody really says, you know, when, when I... When I go out, I just want to live paycheck to paycheck and not be able to hardly pay attention, you know? Nobody plans to have their marriage fall apart. Nobody plans to have Christmas without their children. But it happens too often. And what I want to tell you today that it doesn't have to be this way. And what we're talking about is the power to change. Every one of us has the power to change. And what we've learned in this series, we've talked about, it's not just behavior modification. We're not just talking about here, here's three steps to change your life. No, we're talking about spiritual transformation. And we don't just need to change our behavior, we need to change the heart. Real and lasting change isn't just behavior modification, it's spiritual transformation. You might remember the first week we talked about our identity. Remember, hello, my name is. What, what, do, what do we say about ourselves? The reason we do what we do is because of what we think of us. And who is God calling us to be? So if, if I want to be the person God wants me to be, I'm going to follow a different line. I'm going to make these decisions to be the person that God wants me to be. And really, we're talking about you know, a spiritual who. Who do I want to be? Do I want to be the man, the woman that God has called me to be? If I want to be them, then this is what this type of person does. And then we talk about a spiritual why. Why do you got to tie it to a spiritual why? Why do I want to do this? Because it honors God. Why do I want to give 10% of my money and tithe? Because I want to be a person that's a good steward with what God has given me. It's not just because I feel like I have to or I feel like, you know, like somebody's making me do this. No, I want to be a person that honors God. Why do I live a life of moral purity. Why? Because I want to live a life that honors God. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I want to act like it. I don't want to put things into my body that's going to tear it down. I don't want to do things with my body. See what I'm saying? It's not just a spiritual who. It's a spiritual why. It's why why do I want to do this? In other words, we want to make the right decisions that honor God I want to do the right things with the things that I have in my hands. And last week, we talked about a spiritual what. You might remember, 
we talked about what is one habit that you can add to your life that takes you closer to Jesus? That's what, if we're trying to figure out who we are spiritually, and we're talking about why we wanna do those things, the what is, what is the one thing? Last week we talked about that. Based on who you want to become, what's one habit that you could start, that you could add to your life? And so we had these things, and the one question is, based on who you want to become spiritually, today we wanna talk about what's one habit that you need to break? These aren't as fun to talk about, the habits that got us. James 1.21 says, so get rid of every filthy habit and all wicked conduct. Submit to God and accept the word that he plants in your heart, which is able to save you. Now, James is talking about building and changing into who God has created us to be. James was the brother of Jesus, and he's trying to get us to understand who God has created us to be. And if if we learn these things, it builds our life towards Jesus, but if we don't, it can derail the work, and that's what we see in Samson's life, these steps. If you look at uh, James chapter 12, excuse, chapter one, he says, blessed is the one who preserves, perseveres under trial, having stood the test. I know this is not on the screen, but just listen to these words. That person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised those who love him. And when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose us through birth, through the, truth, the word of truth, that we might be the kind of first fruits and that of all he created. Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger is not produced, it does not produce the kind of righteousness that God desires. And then we see, so get rid of every filthy habit and wicked conduct. Submit to God and accept the word that he plants in our hearts, which is able to save you. So here's the deal. Every decision you make is a step. Are you either walking towards Christ or away from Christ? Every decision I make is either a step towards Jesus or away from Jesus. And here's like I say, there's no neutral. A lot of times you say, well, I'm just gonna put this in neutral for a while. Guess what, you never coast uphill. You always coast downhill. When I put my life in neutral and just say, I'm not gonna watch what I do, I'm not gonna focus on this, guess what? I'm not getting closer to Christ. So it's a conscious decision. Every decision I make is either I'm getting closer to Jesus or I'm getting further away from Jesus. I know we have a culture that says, you be you, you do you. Don't worry about, you know, nobody can tell you what you can't do. But the principle of life is, is is the path you're on, are the decisions you're making, are the habits that are in your life, are they leading you closer to Jesus or are they becoming more and more obstacles to lead you away? And every step we see in Samson's life, and you know, every time I'm, 
Last week I talked about going through the Life Journal. The Life Journal is a Bible reading plan. And it takes you through the Old Testament every year. It takes you through the New Testament twice every year. And it seems like every time I go through the Old Testament, the book of Judges, I just want to yell at him going, hey, this time don't make the mistake, right? Dude, open your eyes. I mean, her name's Delilah for crying out loud. Who names her daughter Delilah anymore? Nobody does, right? Because she's Delilah. But this was the first, maybe. I don't know. Oh, that's right. There is one on the radio. Delilah. Anybody listen to that? Never mind. Okay. Uh, but he's captured by the Philistines because he ends up turning his secret. The secret was God said, if you ever cut your hair, the strength will leave you. I don't know if he was like this muscle bound. The scripture doesn't say. And I know on the flannel graph, he was like this buff dude. But I think the secret of the strength was that he was probably just a regular guy with long hair and God that said the Holy Spirit came upon him and he did phenomenal acts of strength. But he said, the commitment is you never cut your hair or you're gonna lose your strength. And Delilah kept at him and at him and at him. Finally, after several trials and fails, she gets the, the secret of his strength and he cuts his hair and the Philistines come and, and they capture him and they put his eyes out. After his, so he's hairless and blind and he's working in a prison just grinding it out day after day, year after year. And he must just be thinking, how did I get here? How did I get here? Why did I follow those steps? And if you remember the end of the story, after years of this, his hair begins to grow out. For some reason, they disrespected God so much, they had no faith in the one true God so much, they figure, well, it doesn't matter what happens to Samson. The hair grows out and they bring him in to the temple of their God to make fun of him one more time and to show how great they are. And Samson prays and he says, God, would you just use me one more time? And he's led to the pillars of the building and he, he brings down the whole building and kills the enemies of God, but it also cost him his life too. It's a tale of tragedy. But how do you get there? It's one step at a time, one compromise at a time. Steps that led him away. Habits that lead backward. He didn't break the habit that would lead to his downfall. So what is it? I mean, I want you to think about this and, and I know this is kind of really personal and it's not something I'm gonna have you write down and share it with a friend, but you know. What is that thing in your life? And you need to be specific about it. Can you be honest enough with yourself, say, you know what, this particular thing that I do is not getting me closer to Jesus. This particular thing that I'm involved in, this particular thing that is my go-to is not getting me closer to Jesus. Just be honest, be specific and honest about it. Don't be vague. I told a story of my granddaughter is in youth group now. It's crazy, I'm not that old. (laughs) My grandson just got his license yesterday. He's on the road, look out. Um, he gets his card, it's like, wow, and I'm watching him in youth group, I'm watching him. And they had a, a youth camp, and they had altar times at youth camp, and the speaker was talking about, it's time to, and they talked about the blind man that Jesus encountered, and how he threw off his cloak, and he ran to Jesus. And the whole thing was, you need to throw off your cloak and run to Jesus. And obviously the idea was, you know, just take, take that stuff that's holding you down and throw it off and run to Jesus. And so... <laughs> my granddaughter came home, was telling her mom about this, and said, she said, you went to the altar? Yeah, I went to the altar. She said, what happened? I was crying. It's like, wow, what, what did God say to you? She said, I just wanted to throw off my cloak. I just wanted to throw off my cloak. She goes, really? And she goes, mom, what's my cloak? <laughs> 
It's easy to be vague, but I'm asking you to be specific. You can't defeat what you can't define. So maybe you need the courage to say, all right, I want to define this. Is it a moral issue? Is it a digital issue? Is it a substance issue? Those are the easy ones. How about this? Is it an attitude issue? Because good habits are difficult to start. They're difficult to start, good habits. Bad habits are hard to break. I used to say that I grew up a preacher's kid and in church. So that explains a lot of things, right? And I avoided a lot of trouble. And I used to tell people that I avoided, I avoided a lot of trouble because lack of availability and lack of opportunity, right? God protected me. Now, it seems like our culture, we have unlimited availability and unlimited opportunity. I'm telling you, it, good habits are so hard to break. And when I, when I start a good habit, it's painful now, but there's a payoff later. That's the principle of life, good things. Every time I decide, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm kind of a walking nerd. I love to walk. Some of you have tried to hit me on it. I remember you. But I love to walk. I love to walk. And sometimes I'll get out of the habit of walking, and I say, I'm going to get back into the habit. Why? Because when I walk, for me, I'm healthier. Uh, the sunshine helps. You're welcome, Andrew, for ruining my life. But I decide, I get, but every time I decide, all right, tomorrow morning, I'm going to walk. Guess what happens? It rains, right? My foot hurts, right? Um, everything goes wrong. It's like, I'm going to, man, all right, I'm going to get, we're going to get into our budget and we're going to dial in and we're going to set on a new track and then all four tires blow at once. Yeah, who knew, right? Or all of a sudden, oh, my kids just grew this year. Oh, what am I going to do? I'm, we're really going to get our, who, who put Christmas on the 25th of December this year? I can't believe this came up, right? But the pain is now and the payoff is later. That's why good habits are so hard to stop. But here's the deal with bad habits is the payoff is now and the pain comes later. I've got retail therapy. You know, I'm going to spend it now and I'll worry about it later. But that later is leading to my ruin. Some of you have been to the doctor and he says, okay, I need you to change your diet and you feel like the, the joy has been sucked out of your life, right? Because we know the joy is in sugar and carbs, amen? I mean, come on. It's in, that's the joy. But what is he saying? You gotta do a little pain now to have a healthier body later. What doctor would say, eat anything you want, live it up. And one of these days, you're not gonna be around. It's late and no one knows because I'm not hurting anybody. I can just do this, this is just me. But then you're dealing with the guilt and the pain of knowing the decisions that you make in the dark. You know, last week we talked about how do we start a good habit? And a couple things is to make it obvious and to make it easy, right? But how do you break a bad habit? Make that bad habit hard. Make it hard, because we have, maybe, maybe your, your habit has to do with digital stuff. Guess what? Why don't you put your phone in another room for a while? Why don't you be accountable to someone? And just make it hard to get back to that. Like I said, a lot of times, I was saved from a lot of stuff because I just, it wasn't available, and I didn't have the opportunity, and there's certain things in my life that guess what? I gotta say, I gotta make that unavailable and I gotta cancel the opportunity so I can't get to it. 
If you wanna change that habit, make it, make it hard. Proverbs 4, 14 and 15 says, do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid, do not travel on it. Turn from it and go your way. It's almost like I know God is speaking to some of you something right now and, and he's putting up a red light and saying, stop, man, this is, it's time to turn around. It's time to stop. And you might, yeah, that seems a little bit over the top, but I'm asking you, what, what's your trigger? We all have those triggers. Remember the first week we talked about a cue. I drive by McDonald's, I think of Diet Coke. Oh, I'm gonna go in there. There's certain things, there's certain places that you know that you can't go because they lead to other things. Hello? Maybe you need to just say, be honest with yourself. You know what? I gotta take that place off because every time I go there, this is what happens. Maybe at certain times, maybe it's at night that your challenge is or maybe it's those times when, 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 when you don't have a lot to do and, and you got all this free time. You gotta put some plans in place. What do I do when I have too much time? Maybe it's that mood that you have that you know leads. You know, you come home, you just get down. Or... She called, or he called, or that family member did that, and it leads you to, you know what? I need to self-medicate right here. Maybe you need to identify that mood. Like, man, when I get down, I'm gonna call this person. What we're doing, we're making those habits harder. Maybe it's certain people that you're around. I know you think, oh, kids, don't be around bad people. Guess what? There's some people in all of our lives that they lead us to do things we wish we didn't. So be honest with yourself. Build in those guards. I know this is painfully practical, but if we're gonna add in habits that, that lead us closer to Jesus, then we've gotta be honest and deal with the habits and the things that are pulling us farther away from Jesus. The habits you have today will shape who you're gonna become tomorrow. The question is, can we just ask this question? Do you like the direction that your habits are taking you right now? Here's the deal. The bad news is, is that Samson took 56,250 steps in the wrong direction. The good news is he had 56,520 chances to turn back towards God. He had a choice. You have a choice today. Do you know the word repentance? You know, we all think about that guy on the street corner with the sign, repent. Sounds like an old-fashioned word. Repentance just means change your direction. Some of you watching online, some of you in the room today, you just need to repent. You need to change your direction. You need to be honest with yourself and say, you know what? This habit, this action is taking me somewhere where I don't want to be. Now, if you don't hear anything else I say today, because I don't want to come off heavy, and if you know me personally, I'm not that guy, but I want to tell you there is hope for your habits there's hope. Wherever you are weak, the Bible says that Jesus is stronger. Paul says that God's power is at its best in our weakness. So if you've got a habit, if you've got a weak area, guess what? That means, number one, you're human. And number two, that you have opportunity for Jesus just to be that strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me Strength. Another place in the Old Testament says, not by might, not by power, by the Spirit, says the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit working through me. Let me just tell you this. You need to hear this. There is no habit too bad for God's healing power to help you break. There's no habit so bad that God's healing power can't help you break. 
So if you've got a habit that feels like it's running you instead of you running it, that just means you're a candidate for what God can do. Your current path. And when I say the steps that you're taking, the habits that you're doing, are they leading you somewhere? Well, I'm just telling you, I know they're leading you somewhere. Your steps you're taking, the habits they're leading you somewhere. The question is, are they leading you where you know you need to be? The steps and the things that I'm doing in my life taking me closer to Jesus or leading me further away from Jesus? It's the power to change. The power to change is not just a behavioral trick or a neat little saying. The power to change is spiritual transformation. To say, Jesus, here's my heart. (laughs) Here's my weakness. Here's my pain. Here's the things that seem to bind me. I'm gonna give them over to you. Would you help me? And sometimes we've got to get to the place where we're honest enough and true enough to say, God, I'm willing to name it. I'm willing to name that this is what's happening. This is what's leading me. But God, you, you have the power. I don't know what the story of Samson could have been if he would have had a a wake-up call, if he would have, like, the first time that he made a mistake went, Man, never again. What story could have been with a man with unlimited strength and the Holy Spirit, what he could have done as a leader in Israel until he died an old, old, old man? I don't know. That story's not there because that story didn't happen. But let me tell you, your story's not done. Your story's not done. That's the power, I think, of reading these lives. These lives still live. They, They give us incredible examples of what not to do, and others are great examples of what to do. So we're going to go into a prayer time, and, and this is not something that somebody can pray for you. This is not something that I can lead you into a prayer of what, you know, I've been around your house, and I've been following you, and I, I'd like to talk to you about an area that I want you to change. That's not my job. I can't do that, and you wouldn't like me anymore. Maybe you don't already, but you wouldn't like me anymore. But guess what? The Holy Spirit is the greatest friend you'll ever have because he'll speak truth into your life. You've got to have the courage to look at it and say, God, show me what needs to change I want my path, I want my steps, I want my habits to lead me toward you and not drag me away from you. Jesus, in this moment, as we look to another incredible example in your word and as we know that the change that needs to happen, we can't just talk about it, we can't just give lip service to it. Sometimes we gotta do the hard work of just really saying, I'm gonna be honest and I want to know where my path is leading me, and I want that to lead to Christ. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, you would give courage to people in the room that have those things that nobody even knows about. It's the dark places, but there's nothing that your spirit can't see, and there's nowhere we can hide from who you are. And God, you love us. I know you love us just the way we are. You you reach us right where we're at, but you love us too much to leave us that way. You want to lead us on a path of change. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name that people in this room, people online, men and women, boys and girls and young adults would just say, Jesus, help me to be honest with the things that are tripping me up. Help me to be honest with the things that aren't leading me on the path where I know you're taking me. Help me to be spiritually transformed because I have a spiritual who I want to be. I have a spiritual why I want to do it because I want to be more of what you want me to be And I'm doing spiritual what's, things that draw me closer to you. 
Maybe you're in the room today and you just need to be honest with him. Maybe God's speaking to you right now that you need to be accountable to someone. I know that's a scary step. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that if someone's being directed to that, that you would lead them to the right person. And I pray, God, that that person would be open and willing to listen and be caring and be loving and help that person, God. Maybe in the room and you just don't have a relationship with Jesus. Again, repentance isn't just an old-fashioned word. It means to change directions. Maybe your number one need, first of all, is just to repent, to change your direction towards God. 56,000 steps away from God, but there's always just one step back, just to turn and say, God, I need you. God, I need to have a new direction. If you are courageous enough to say that prayer, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, help me to follow you now. It says he is faithful and just. He will forgive you and lead you. And you can change. One of the greatest examples in the Bible is King David. He did some of the greatest things for God ever done. He did some of the worst things imaginable. But he turned back to God and said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I don't want to be cast away from your presence by the things I'm doing wrong. I don't want to lose the Holy Spirit's voice in my life. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take the Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of going the right direction, he says. Father, I pray that that would become true for us as we get honest and truthful with you and as you change us from the inside out, one step at a time. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Wow, I need to look at the clock more often. I owe you 10 minutes, I'm sorry. No, that's good. Would you stand with me today? And uh, there's a prayer wall on the left-hand side of the room. People love Jesus and would love to have a word of prayer with you. If there's anything that we can pray with you about, if we can connect with you. If you're still considering that connect card where maybe you need to meet with a pastoral team member or maybe you just want, just let us know how we can do it. Maybe it's not practical for you to come over here to this wall right now, but maybe it is. Don't, don't avoid taking that right step. We would love to pray with you. And uh, tonight is the worship night. We're gonna get back to every month we're gonna have these worship nights. It's a Sunday night opportunity to just worship. It's not another message. It's just worship and prayer. And I love that. Tonight's gonna be down in the, the youth center. Most, the rest of the year, the last Sunday nights of the month, I know it's the first time, but there's five weeks next week. But I don't. Anyway, tonight and then the last... It's a great opportunity. I love those opportunities and I don't want to miss them because I love to be able to get into a place where I can just put my heart before God again and say, would you look at the spots in my life that I need to be closer to you? And that's a great atmosphere just to pray and worship and put our mind. It's a step on the pathway that always leads me closer to Jesus. Very practical. So if you want to come tonight, 6 p.m., runs about an hour. It's just worship and prayer and time to just get along with God. So I encourage you to do that. But until I see you again, I pray that God would bless you and keep you, that he would turn his face towards you, shine his countenance on your life, and give you peace, the way of peace, one step at a time. Go towards Jesus. God bless you as you go. 
Hey guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just want to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus. And we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org. Or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. And I just want to say thank you and God bless your week.